At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to make car care make sense with personalized service reviews that swap the car talk for straight talk so you know what your car is telling you and what to do about it. Where highly trained service technicians have your back, helping you take care of the small stuff before it becomes big stuff. Plus a full range of services from Pennzoil oil changes and tire rotations to filters, wipers, and more. We've got what your car needs, so you're ready for whatever's next. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care, that's a job for Jiffy. Find a Pennzoil pouring service center near you at JiffyLube.com. This is the Go Long Podcast. Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas. On a rainy Monday here in Western New York, Jim, you've got your uh, your your good luck hat on, which is uh, nice to see. Starting the week off right. How's life? Tyler, you're right. On a rainy morning like this, it's, it put me in this. The weekend was great. So I'm in a good mood Monday morning. I like our pod today, what we're going to talk about. The gambling gods were very nice to me this weekend. Um, golf was good. So Patrick Cantley, great job. Top five finish this weekend in the PGA. So um, in a good mood today. So I had to put the good luck hat on that I sometimes wear when I may be playing a little blackjack. Does it work? What's the track record? No. No. Okay. Do rally hats... Let me ask you this. Rally hats, baseball. I don't know what the percent on rally hats probably if I'd like to see what the per, actual percents percentage is of the times you put the rally hat backwards and how many times it works. Because hmm. you have to be, you know, I'm very analytical. So to do it right, you have to know the amount of times you actually put the rally hat on. So to answer your question, there's no way this hat could be good luck. There's just, it's not possible because I, I, you're just never going to win. You're not superstitious. You're just stitious. There you go. I like that. You know, I had a friend in, uh, growing up whose father kept a jar of his children's toenails on his television when he was looking for a big play. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I think. I'm not sure if you're going to bust out the toenails at the at the blackjack table. Is that a possibility, Tyler? You know that you just went down a road I can't even like wrap my head around. And then how does how does fungus work into the equation? I, I imagine that would have a reverse effect, right? Then things would just go haywire. I'm not going to tell you the name of this coach, but I was in a draft meeting in a draft room. You know, on a Saturday or Sunday morning when it's very relaxed atmosphere. Okay. And the coach, I'll give you at least the team I was working with. It was the New Orleans saints, but there was a coach that put his bare foot up on the table during the meeting. I I can't talk like toenails feet in a meeting. That's man. That's a bad look. It's a bad look. It's I, I can't, it, you just took me down a road that I, I, that made me think of that. And that coach is a really good coach. Um, so I'm not going to say anything else but about him, but you sure. I mean, come on, just let it rip. No, just, no, no, we'll get it out of you. 
we'll get it out of you by the end of the show. Think, no, but it's just that toenail thing. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it was odd. It was odd even as a kid, you know, which you don't find many things odd. It was strange. Not many things, right. Uh, yeah, don't <laughs> did, did not expect us to go down this road. Don't you think we all kind of moved on from Rex Ryan's foot fetish just a little too quickly? I mean, that happened, and it was on Deadspin, and there was the video of him talking to his wife. And it, I mean, it was it was so bizarre. Yet, and then Wes Welker had the press conference right where he referenced feet in a upteenth ways, and then it just kind of went away. I feel like that was so so strange. We. We probably shouldn't have just kind of let that go. Like he, he probably should have endured a little bit more backlash than he did. Unless I missed it. I don't know about that. I'm not going to talk about not, it. Not, not backlash. Maybe just it was, it was. You mean like just talked about we should, more? We, we should, there should have just been a little more discourse, you know, I don't a little think more Rex, discourse. I think Rex is, Rex is a pretty open book about that whole thing. <laughs> is he really? Did you guys ask him about it? I just Rex is an open book about it. I just want to say that, <laughs> that he, it's, it's all good. I mean, but, does that come up in the interview process? No, I mean I'm not oh, saying okay. about that, but just in general, it's <laughs> it's all good. It's out in the open. Nobody really cares. I mean, it's yeah. It's talked, you know, it's it's whatever. But it, he doesn't hide from it. You know, he owns it. Whatever. Well, it is. Credit to him. Then that's you're right. I'm a big believer. We do need more of that. About. Just own things. Like I own, own your mistakes on a draft pick. Own it. You know, and that's why I always like talking about that. Like what's so bad? What's so, what's the big deal about owning up? Great baseball players strike out. Like they don't, it doesn't ruin their day. I mean, sur- survival instinct kicks in, I think with scouts, with, personnel execs with GMs with coaches and yeah, I mean right. you see it and I mean yeah. we, we both talk to people around the league and as soon as a player starts to kind of teeter and go downhill and you know people start kind of getting a little distance well you know it was such and such you really liked him and I mean it's, t- it's typical NFL stuff everybody's reaching for the lifeboats it is because you are in your, you, man, that's well said by you. You are always in survival mode when you're an employee in the NFL. Actually, yeah, if you're working, playing, I almost think that's for any job. <laughs> Up to the point. Then you're trying to get the owner's ear, right? You're trying to let the owner know, well, I really like this guy or I didn't like that guy. And you're hoping that the, this owner who's probably dealing with a billion things as a billionaire is keeping this mental log of, okay, I like the cut of this guy's jib because he, he had the instincts there. But it might be wrong. Maybe the guy's just flat out lying. You know, newsflash, people lie in the NFL. I was some in early, positions of power, some that, you know, stay in positions of power. I was told early in scouting, if you're going to live up and pump your chest, you know, and brag about the guys you were right on, you have to own the guys you miss on. And you haven't missed. If you haven't missed, you know, you are just, if you can't bring up a miss, I can't imagine that type of person. Like you talk, okay. And you know what? Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers was a scout, 
because you're going to miss and you're going to be, you're, I would just love, he would be the great test to see could Aaron Rodgers admit if he was wrong scouting a player? Do you think? No. Okay. I do not. I can't see that scenario. That's my point. That would be the type of person to me, like that. I just don't know anybody. That well, I mean, that's the perfect example because, you know, in his airing of grievances, when he showed up to training camp a couple of years ago after, you know, holding the Packers hostage and all that, you know, he went through player to player to player to player right there at the podium for the Green Bay Packers, just blasting the general manager that he wanted fired, who he made clear, I need this person fired to return, and said how the Packers lost their way because they stopped caring for people. <laughs> it's like, well, no, actually, half or more than half of the examples that Aaron laid out as a pseudo-GM, the Packers were right to move on from that player. Yet, here we go, round and round, New York Jets bringing in Randall Cobb, getting the boys back together. So, Tyler, yeah, to answer your question, I don't, I don't think he'd make a good scout or an honest scout whatsoever. You just what you just said too is is great about. I was th- he has basically put this Jets offense together. They have catered. It's it's incredible. It really truly is. It is basically the Jets. I'm just thinking about Joe Douglas right now as the GM, <laughs> putting his hands up. You yeah. know what? Zach Wilson's not working. If we're going after Aaron and this is what he wants, I think I have to do it because I already – I just made my big pick. I mean, right? If you're a GM and you that's your big – that's your – Zach Wilson's your franchise moving forward, not working. The owner hasn't fired you yet. So why not? I get it. I completely get it. Why he? I would do it too. I, sw- I swear I would do it too. It actually makes your job easy. Joe Doug, you only have to evaluate. Aaron, who do you want? <laughs> I mean, that, that that's survival. That is survival. To, to a T. I mean, look look at Nathaniel Hackett and how he has attached himself Hackett. to Aaron Rodgers, where didn't work out in Buffalo. Uh, Jacksonville, look, he, he took Blake Bortles to an AFC championship game. Yeah. That's a feather yeah. in the cap. But it, by it, and large, those offenses were, were, were pretty poor. Um. And gets to Green Bay, and Aaron loves him. He loves Aaron. Whatever offense was run, whether it's LaFleur's, Aaron Rodgers's, Audible's from, you know, 11 years ago in a random game in Timbuktu that he's uh, audible into. <laughs> Whatever that offense was, I mean, it, it led to a couple MVPs. Yeah, Devontae Adams made it had, might have had something to do with that. He's, he's pretty good. Uh, and goes to Denver. And this is where it's interesting. I okay, maybe this is more gut instinct than direct knowledge of the situation. I'll I'll admit it. You cannot tell me that Denver didn't think they were not getting Aaron Rodgers two off seasons ago. I mean, when they hired Nathaniel Hackett, it was we're getting Aaron Rodgers. This is gonna be a package deal. And obviously they didn't. They they pivot to Russell Wilson, and it all blows up. And, you know, Hackett just lands on his feet. New York Jets. Aaron's the quarterback. Speaking of being wrong, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much here. Yeah, but this is, yeah, yeah. The theme of this podcast is going to be 
who's a player on a team that's been pretty much left for dead. You know, everybody's forgotten about. Yeah, we see this player potentially bouncing back and reminding everybody that, hey, I'm I'm still here. And uh, they go through a little bit of a resurrection in 2023. And I guess kind of the the, the player that I chose is somebody who uh, it's a hill that I kind of climbed up on not too long ago. And I, I suppose I'll, I'll just stay on that hill because I easily could just hold my hand up and say, yes, I was wrong. If I was a scout, I was dead wrong about this working out. But I'm going to do a 180 and say that he's going to deliver in 2023. But really what got us into the topic was Zay Jones. Uh, we have a story up at Go Long. Uh, flew down to Jacksonville, spent two hours chatting with Zay about everything. Jim, I wasn't really sure if he would want to go down certain dark roads in his life. Obviously, we all saw the TMZ clip, 30 floors high, Los Angeles condo. And you know, what's crazy is what, what we see isn't really what happened. All, all we see is Zay Jones naked saying he wants to fight for Jesus. His brother, you know, holding him back. They get into a tussle. You hear his brother's girlfriend screech. And then, boom, it, cut, it cuts forward to the aftermath of the blood all over the walls, the busted up windows. But, yeah, I mean, he tried to throw himself from that window uh, and he would have plummeted to his death if not for his brother holding him back until help arrived. And it's crazy because if you look at the window, I mean, it's all spider webbed, but there is a hole in the middle that's pretty huge. And he was trying to force his way through that hole to get outside. It He doesn't know what drugs were in his system. He knows he was hanging out with some bad dudes earlier that day. Uh, he knows he wasn't seeing reality. Like the way he saw wasn't reality. So some type of psychedelic, some type of hallucination was going on, which by the way, Aaron Rodgers just gave a speech in Colorado about why psychedelics should be legal. Maybe the counter is Zay Jones, right? Maybe psychedelics, not all fun and games, and turns you into an MVP. Maybe a psychedelic can potentially have you falling 30 floors high. Obviously, I don't know what Zay Jones took. Zay Jones doesn't know what Zay Jones took. He didn't want a toxicology report because, hey, he could get him into some more trouble, and he, he needed to leave that in the past. But credit to Zay for being willing to open up on this all. He was unbelievable. Um, if you haven't, I would love it. If you checked out our story, go long, td.com. Uh, I'm still alive, the Zay Jones story. We really take it from childhood. His dad, I mean, his dad's life is is unreal. Uh, my God, is it Robert Jones, three-time Super Bowl champ for the Dallas Cowboys. It is, Robert Jones is being breastfed by his mother when Robert Jones's father shoots his mother. Eight kids scatter all different directions. Um, you know had a brother die for this reason, a brother die for that reason, mentors died. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Robert Jones is a miracle. Zay Jones is a miracle. And what kind of got us going on the topic for this podcast was when that happened to Zay, right, that's after his rookie season in Buffalo, which went horribly. Uh, he has this incident in March of 2018. The Bills kind of reset, draft Josh Allen, He's the pseudo number one. You know, they're going through this transition, getting contracts off the books for better or worse, right? I mean, hey, I know Sammy Watkins at 
helped their draft capital. But as Zay said, as a rookie, I needed somebody over there to take some pressure off because he's facing the number one corner week in and week out, has the game, potential game-winning drop against Carolina, goes zero for zero for zero against Denver, and then boom, he slipped into that depression you know, drinking at his apartment, which was right around the corner from where I live. Never even saw him, never even knew. In a really, really bad place. March of 2018 happens. Catches a bunch of balls in year two. And then that's when they sign Cole Beasley, John Brown into year three. Trade him to the Raiders. And I think at that point, Jim, nobody thought we'd really hear from Zay Jones again. A lot of times, you know, you go viral for all of the wrong reasons, let alone being naked and yelling and trying to throw yourself through a window. And we don't hear from you for another 10, 15, 20 years until the 30 for 30 pops up. Right. But Zay Jones got his life back together some way, somehow with the Oakland Raiders, then the Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars to the point of signing a three-year $24 million deal, a slew of just clutch catches for the Jags. Um, I mean, the two-point conversion against the Ravens, the three touchdowns against Dallas, the, the, this one pass to set up the game-winning field goal, it's crazy. It went right through the defender's arms. He completely turned his life around, completely turned his career around. Uh, so we're each going to have a player who could maybe have a similar bounce back in the Zay Jones vein today. But first, Jim, uh, t- take us back to your vantage point on this all because – you and Doug Whaley were still around, obviously, uh, for that draft. That was your last draft with the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott is the head coach. People, as we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, people people forget that you, you guys had your fingerprints all over this draft, and Zay Jones was the second-round pick after Tredavious White. So what, what, what are your memories from just the draft process that led to selecting the wide receiver who caught more balls than anybody in the 153-year history of college football. Okay, I love that you just said that because that's where I was going to go with Zay a little bit. Like, the production was video game craziness in college. Like, insane. Um, And didn't really have any, if I remember, no special quarterbacks. You know, it was... A little bit of Gardner Minshew, but... That was about it. For it was that it was that weird. They were having like trance. Right. Minshew was part of the whole mess. You're right. It was a bunch of guys. A bunch of but guys. They won three games this last year. They really weren't that good. No. So he was, a, to me, so you watch Zay, he was one of those, you just felt plug and play right away. No issues. Senior, Max, physically, he wasn't like over the top gifted physically as far as speed, quickness. You know, he was a size receiver who played big, good hands. Um, I look back on it. I think I was probably a little high on him as far as valuing him. I thought he could be a number one, possibly. Um, We had our area scouts and some other guys weren't as high on him in the draft room. But everybody saw value in him and everybody that we spoke with had him as high character. And like we said, we hired, uh, well, we, Sean McDermott hired his receiver coach from East Carolina. Um, and I mean, he was excited as, you know, couldn't wait to work with him. So we had the whole, that was a whole team on board. You know, let's see how he does. I I think it was a good pick. Um, I look back on it, you know, a good pick as far as talent, 
second round type talent. We should not have traded up for Zay probably. That was probably something I look back on. The trade-ups, my history of trade-ups, I, I, if I ever was doing anything differently, you know, I would probably be very hesitant to trade up for a player. Zay Jones. Unless it was a quarterback. Right. In that case, you may just have to trade. In that case, you're going all in for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he thought he was going to the Rams. Sean McVay, Les Snead, Greg Olson, Eric Yarber, everybody flew out to ECU. They brought their own quarterback, put him through this workout. Zay Jones, by the way, unbelievable impersonations. It's like Frank Caliendo. It's and Christian Kirk told me this. He's like, you got to get him going on some impressions. But he was pretending to be Sean McVay at this workout. He's like, oh, Zay, man, you're so smart. You ran that route so good. Uh, so he he thought the workout went great. <laughs> and so when he didn't go in the first round, remember a few receivers went bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Uh, Mike Williams, John Ross. That may be and, why we up. Yeah. Forgetting, forgetting somebody there. Um let me just, I just I want to let this slide. Oh, Corey Davis went fifth overall. That's right. So Corey Davis, fifth, Mike Williams, seventh, John Ross, ninth. Ooh. Uh, and then there was nothing uh, the rest of the first round. So he just assumed, okay, the Rams are going to take me in round two at 37. The Cardinals took Buda Baker, 36. And then that's when his phone rang. That's when the Buffalo Bills called, asked for his official first name, social security number, nearest right. airport. Right. And, oh, yeah, he's wearing a shirt that has all the uh, white Broncos chasing a police car. And Bills fans didn't like that. Zay Jones is like, I, I, don't, I just picked this shit up earlier in the day. I didn't really think anything of it. I like that. <laughs> Do you remember that? I mean, because you, no, you were still around the weekend, the backlash. No. I don't even remember that. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Phil McKeegan, right? He's the wide receivers coach. You know why I don't remember that? That was the connection. You know why I don't remember that? Because we got fired. I guarantee, because I checked out. Like, like that's that, you know what I mean? Like, you get like, whoa, what just happened type thing moment. I was like, that's why I'm like, well, I, didn't, I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on at that point. That's probably why I don't remember. Um, or remember that story. But yeah, so would you say, see, the reason you said he was surprised that we drafted him because we, we didn't... Um, or he didn't feel like we spent a ton of time, I guess. But it was because we we had his receiver coach and there was no – we just had no concerns with him. I'm just surprised he didn't think that his his college receivers coach was – I'm just surprised he didn't think there was a chance maybe that – yeah. He said that they would talk, but it was like kind of surface level. That Phil didn't really show his hand when that's they'd actually, catch up, That's actually which is admirable. That is. I'm actually surprised to hear that. What, what, what I think a lot of people don't know, you know, what kind of gets lost when we consume pro football is what we discussed with Sammy Watkins. What are these guys doing outside of NFL Sunday, outside of plugging in the fantasy football lineup, um, filling up a stadium, sitting at home watching TV? It, that That's just two and a half, three hours out of the week, similar to the receiver he replaced, Zay Jones, you know, when things started going downhill, he went downhill. Uh, and similar to Sammy Watkins, 
right? When it, when it, and Sammy Watkins' brother gets tied up into this massive RICO investigation. He's involved with the feds, family, friends, all tied up into this racketeering case. He's uh, paying a million dollars to bail out his brother. That's kind of what really sent Sammy even into a into more of a hole, right? He's still going through all those injuries and, and can't stay healthy. You know, Zay has the incident in LA and he has since turned it around really in a way similar to Sammy. Uh, Sammy Watkins, he, he won a Super Bowl. He burnt Richard Sherman in the Super Bowl. And you know, Zay Jones hasn't gotten to that moment, but he could this year. I would not be surprised if Jacksonville threatened in 2023. So, okay, I don't think we're going to find anybody that was necessarily in the place Zay was in, personally, professionally, all of that. But there are a lot of guys who signed with a lot of new teams who have been through a lot of shit. I wouldn't let you go first, Jim. Who do you see turning his life around in 2023? Okay, so it's he's very young still. Um and his original team just decided to move on from him. So I'm going more with a – I just see this player being a little more talented than he's shown. I'm, his numbers, I think, can be good, really good. Elijah Moore, who is now on the Cleveland Browns. His ability as a game-breaker when he has the ball in his hands is special. And that Jets – the Jets were just – it was just tough. You know, it's just, when things get – I've been a part of it. When, when things are average, just say average at quarterback, it's hard enough. If it's below average, like it was with the Jets, your receivers are going to struggle. And the reason I'm always going to say that is always remember who we had at receiver in Buffalo when Whaley and I were here. We had Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, Marquise Goodwin, um, uh, Chris Hogan. But, but – they all had way better success once they left. I'm going with Elijah Moore. I think the talent's there. I think he was in a garbage situation. Cleveland, there's something about Cleveland right now. I'm, I'm, I don't, I hate it. I hate that I even want to talk about because I told you before how bad Deshaun Watson played last year. But we all know Deshaun Watson can play. And a guy like that is not coming. He is not leaving that film. That's not going to be the last film he's showing. So I think Moore is going to be part of this offense where they need him. You know, Mari Cooper's their one. Then they have uh, uh, Peoples as kind of a bigger receiver. Then they got Najoku at tight end, who we know him as a game breaker. Moore fits that third to just get him the ball, get creative with him, let him return. That's my player, Tyler. I'm, I'm looking for some big things from him. I like it. I And I don't know if it's going to work out because you never really know if things are going to work out for the Cleveland Browns. His, That's his, just... attitude, his attitude is, from what I understand, right on the fence. As far as it, he needs to – if things are – if he's not getting the ball, it, I don't know how he handles that. And that's something I – yes, you're right. Well, I can't speak to Elijah Moore. Just in terms of the Browns, I, I guess I, I'm cautiously excited about what they did this offseason because Deshaun Watson, we'll see. I mean, can he rekindle the magic 
that ability. I mean, when he was at his best pre-scandal, um, you know, pre-Texans disaster, when he still had DeAndre Hopkins, it was special. I mean, he would just dance and prance and juke and improvise. He was untouchable, really, from the word go. I mean, as a rookie, when we first saw him in a Bill O'Brien offense that, I mean, it really wasn't a Deshaun Watson offense. He kind of created his own offense on the fly. Like It was like playing with your buddies in the backyard. Gosh, if he can get back to that, and I don't know how he does it, maybe just a little more distance from the – I mean, controversy doesn't do it justice. I mean, what he was accused of is disgusting. Uh, time heals if all we're, if we're talking about football strictly there there is a little more time away from that where mentally maybe he can think about football and become the player he was I'll, I'll just say this I, I kind of like what they did all over the place you've got some smart football people in Andrew Barry Glenn Cook who spent a number of years in Green Bay Kevin Stefanski was a coach of the year we'll get to him a little later on in the show uh, but look look at some of these signings. It's pulled up uh, their spot track. I mean, Delvin Tomlinson, that's big money, D-tackle, four years, $57 million. I mean, if you really look at it, they wanted the strength in just the middle of their defense at every level, all the way back to safety. Juan Thornhill, three years, $21 million. He was really good in Kansas City's defense. Um, and they didn't really stop there. I mean, a, a ton of, like, I guess, sneaky signings. Uh, Jordan Atkins, a tight end. Um, where's, oh yeah, I mean, Zadarius Smith. They, they they acquire him from Minnesota. You never know what is kind of going through his mind as the Packer fans who listen know. And we obviously had a big story on him and how excited he was about the Vikings. And and that didn't work out in his defense. He, look, the, the, the Vikings are in this weird place. And we'll, we'll get into them in more in depth on a future show. This competitive rebuild, are you going for it? Are you not going for it? Uh, there was probably a little more behind the scenes with him than we knew. But for what the Browns want to do, and you want another pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett, can do a lot worse than Zadarius Smith. You still have Nick Chubb. You still have David Njoku. You st- I mean, Amari Cooper. We didn't talk about You never know when these receivers go. And guess, here's, here's a name for you. Marquise Goodwin. I saw that today. I was going to bring him up. Um, And we didn't bring up just that entire offensive line. I mean, just rock solid, tough. Right. One of the best offensive lines in football. So that's a team. A gigantic Watson question. Like if you're, if you're the chiefs and bills, Baltimore, well, Baltimore always thinks about the Browns, but. Chiefs, Bills, they don't, you know, they're thinking about their division, Mahomes, Josh Allen, quarterback. You forgot about Watson. It's almost like he's the forgot. If he is coming back like he was playing at a highest level with that surrounding cast, I mean, that's a running game with an offensive line. That is every team that has a franchise quarterback's nightmare because that team's going to be able can dictate kind of ball control. You know, if you get if they have that lead in the fourth quarter, they're tough to come back on, you know, because they can hammer it down. Right. So I just that is a team I bet, you know, the Bill, they don't want those are you always hear that team in basketball, man. You don't want to see that team early in the playoffs. <laughs> that would be the Browns. You don't want to see them like if Watson's playing like Watson. 
you might as well go for it if you're the Browns, right? You might as well convince yourself that you can win a Super Bowl this no season because doubt. of the money you gave Watson. No the doubt. Three first round draft picks that you gave up to acquire him. Yes. Like if you didn't do this, you would be failing yes. as an organization. Yes to all that. Well said. I just don't know if it's going to work out, especially in that division. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh's never going anywhere. I don't know if it's going to work out either. You can get all excited about the Cleveland Browns and they could go, you know, six and 11 easily. Charles Barkley. And last. Be Charles Barkley. You could always be Charles Barkley. I mean, I, he was so dominant. He was the most talented. I just, I loved, I, I wasn't even a Barkley fan, but I, I look back and just love and respect his talent. He was so unstoppable and that's just hard, man. You just run into the wrong era. I feel like we should almost have like a, a preface to every single podcast. And just, just, just to remind everybody, this is Patrick Mahomes' league and that's where it's going to be really hard it. for everybody yep. else. Yep. And we're going to, you know what, we'll just, we'll just own it. We talked about it. Let's own it. We're going to own it. We will always say, we agree. He's, I think he's the greatest ever. I, I think when it's all said and done, he will be the greatest. Yeah, Brady's resume. I know greatest Brady, player we won't, ever. We won't do that whole thing. But yeah, but Elijah Moore, I like that. Uh, any anything right, so else we, on Elijah? Have, like I don't really know anything about him. Like what makes him a good receiver? I, and I know nothing about Elijah Moore. But his hands, his route running, he's so his ability to get in and out of cuts is rare. I love that. I think that is what separates people. Like. You can be when you're special with the ball in your hands, they can run routes. That is a nightmare to defend. Now you have to be on the same page with your quarterback and all that. And when you're playing the slot, because there's a lot of juke routes that based on the coverage that the quarterback, he sees it. He's thinking you you're going right. You better not. You better be going right. Cause he's throwing it. And if you go left, that's picked. I only know that because that was Drew Brees. That was Drew Brees used to tell the receivers all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah, know, I think up his numbers to, I think here. That's what makes him good, though. His, his, his just his, his and speed. I mean, he got to keep him run too. Tyler, you should see his stats in the SEC. What he did at Ole Miss, he's he played at Fort Lauderdale, at um, I think that St. Thomas that you know you always hear about them in Fort Lauderdale he goes to Ole right. Miss just and destroys the SEC which you know when you when you destroy the SEC for me I'm not going to overthink my scouting ability I'm going to probably assume you're pretty good 86 grabs 1,193 yards eight touchdowns his last year at Ole Miss in the SEC against the best corners in football. <laughs> and his numbers actually, the you know, considering you're catching passes from Zach Wilson and Mike White, I mean, not terrible. As a rookie, he, he did catch 43 balls for 538 and five touchdowns. So you don't just stop. If I learned anything from Zay Jones, it's not like Zay Jones forgot how to catch a football. He caught more footballs than anybody in college football history. It was all mental. He says 99% mental. And that, that's You can't talk about that enough, too. Can't Everybody who's in the NFL is extremely talented. Probably the best player through high school, best player in college. Like, the NFL just weeds out all the bums and all the slappies. 
great scouting term that needs to enter mainstream lexicon, by the it's way, like, slappy. It's <laughs> I when you say that, I, sometimes I I cringe or I think I'm in a draft room or a film room somewhere. You did cringe a little when I said that. <laughs> it, it's a little bit hard for me to hear. It, it becomes – go ahead, though. I don't want to tell you. You're right. No, I'm I'm just taking myself off another tangent. So I mean, that's the thing with the NFL. Like it's it. This is the very best of the best of the best. And so Zay Jones's career, it didn't go off the rails necessarily because he dropped that pass against the Carolina Panthers. Like the physical act of dropping that pass, fourth down, last drive of the game. It was the reaction to that. It's how do you respond from something that went very, very poorly. And and he had never dealt with criticism in his life before, ever. He was always the underdog. Two-star guy out of high school. His brother's way more highly recruited than himself. Because East Carolina kind of relishes that role. And for the first time, people are telling him, you suck. You can't catch. And he didn't know how to handle it. Didn't know how to deal with it. And he didn't know how to deal with facing, you know, Marcus Peters, Stephon Gilmore, Morris Claiborne, Desmond Trufant, every team's number one. So a guy like Elijah Moore, I think that it's important to remember there are players who that was that was a dumpster fire last year with the Jets with Zach Wilson. So like you said about Elijah Moore, when you read those stats, whenever you see a young player, like obviously the Jets, Joe Douglas valued him. They drafted him high. He but when you see that roller coaster of production that it usually says the quarterback situation probably and they're just struggling to find a knit like a role for him like a you know when you just can't get that consistent production that's on everybody and that's why they moved on from him that and the new gm aaron Rodgers was not a fan i guess of elijah Hey, you got to make room for randall cobb you just have to make room on that roster for a proven reliable skeleton of a football player. That is a, man, Elijah, I'd love to ask every NFL GM right now. Elijah Moore or Randall Cobb? Oh, goodness. It is going to be hard. Last point on this, although, it's got to be so hard as a GM or director of personnel to to know what player, which players – are going to be able to respond from that adversity. Like you, you, you think, you know, but you don't know. I, I mean, no. Zay Jones's character was through the roof at ECU still is. I mean, he, you mentioned community service to him and he like cringes because it's like, it feels like that term is punishment. You know, you hear that and it sounds like a bad thing. He did it because he enjoyed it. He did it all the time. Three, six GPA living in the weight room, all of that. Stuff. He, he, he's the last human being you'd ever yeah. expect yeah. to get hopped up on whatever he was that night. Yes. Yeah. It just, it just goes to show how that this business it's working at a front office. I don't got to tell you, man, so much out of your control. You don't know what's going to happen. All right. Jim Onus. I want to hear player who is going to completely get his career back on track this season. I hope you're sitting down. Baker Mayfield. I love Baker it. Mayfield, baby. I love this. We're not giving up on Baker. 
here on the Go Long Podcast. This is the year. This is the time. <laughs> on team number four for your 2018 first overall pick out of Oklahoma, the Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, to bounce back. Granted, he's in a quarterback competition technically right now with Kyle Trask. He's going to win that competition, and he's going to play well. I don't know, you know, what the barometer is here, like the expectation, like he'll do that. I think that the Buccaneers are going to win seven games, eight games, maybe nine games, maybe win the division. I think they're going to be better than most people think. Uh, the defense is still loaded with a lot of the same players who made Patrick Mahomes' life hell in the Super Bowl not too long ago. And I really like what they're doing on offense with Dave Canales. New offensive coordinator coming in. Granted, you know, you lose Tom Brady. You lose the greatest player of all time. That's why everybody believes Tampa could be the worst team in the NFL and could be vying for Caleb Williams next spring. And maybe they are. Maybe they are going for Caleb Williams. Well, we'll see. I feel like they have too many prideful players to lose too much this year in a bad division. And you you look at well, we'll get to Baker, but just look at the defense alone. Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield. Uh, and then you go over to offense. Mike Evans, no signs of slowing down. All he does is get a thousand yards every single season. Chris Godwin is your number two. He's a number one on a lot of teams. Russell Gage, pretty good number three. Rashad White, I think, is going to break out and have himself quite a season. Now, the offensive line was really bad last year, so that's obviously the question mark there. But, I mean, Cody Mount, to bring him in at guard, the the toothless wonder, may or may not have spent a little time with Cody down there in Tampa on our trip. I like that toothless wonder. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, uh, he had his teeth busted out in a basketball game when he was a kid, and he – Never had him replaced. It's it's incredible. So if that run, I mean, the, the offensive line is going to have to be better, obviously. But I love the hire of Dave Canales. He's been in Seattle since 2010. Um, started as a receivers coach, moved to quarterbacks coach. He was really the driving force behind Geno Smith. We talk about players left for dead. Geno Smith. I mean, we didn't even see him start a game, throw a chunk of passes. It felt like for five, six, seven years, complete 69.8% of his passes, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. They were leading San Francisco at halftime of that playoff game. And, and against the best defense in football, he went 25 of 35 for 253 yards, a pair of touchdowns. If you watched the Seattle game, everything was on time, on schedule, everything you could want out of just a, a game plan with, with a little bit of flow to it. And on my trip down there to Tampa, the sense I got is this is an offense that it will be completely different, and it's going to be without Tom Brady. But you think of Tom Brady, it was very sitting duck. He wasn't moving much. It was take a shotgun snap, make a decision, get the ball out. They're going to get the quarterback on the move. I think that it will be a true system. Like they will have a real system for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's going to win the job. He'll win the job. I can't see Kyle Trask winning. And he's going to step into a situation that 
granted, offensive line, huge question mark, but they addressed it from a purely your skill position players. This is about as good as Baker Mayfield's ever, ever, ever had it. I can see him excelling. I can see Baker Mayfield figured it out with Dave Canals. It's been a crazy, crazy 18 months. Oh, 18 months. His whole career. You got, you mentioned Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year in 2020, 11 and five. First time the Browns are in the playoffs since 2002. Baker is a major reason for that. Tears his labrum in 2021, non-throwing shoulder, but not himself. Hurt, hurts himself. I mean, isn't it crazy? Not too long ago, we were all, this time of year, two years ago, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield up for extensions. <laughs> and he was in that conversation. That season falls apart. Uh, Ooh, I'm glad we got so into De- Deshaun Watson. They they hand Deshaun Watson the most guaranteed money ever, $230 million the three first round picks, Chris Mortensen, who's, as you said several times in the know, Yeah, he's in if the he know. says something, you need to listen, quote, they want, they want what they consider an adult at that position. So the Browns were pretty fed up with Baker Mayfield and you know, he gets, he gets to Carolina late in the game training camp. Doesn't play well. LA Rams had the 98 yard drive to beat the Raiders. Pretty impressive for Baker Mayfield. Still in there. A buck 45 to go. Down 16-10. I just rewatched it to kind of get myself all jacked up for Baker Mayfield. That's why we started this podcast a little late, Jim. On the punt that led to that 98-yard. I mean, the, the, we'll be talking about it for generations. The night on Thursday Night Football that Baker Mayfield led the 3-9 and nine Rams on a 98-yard touch. I mean, I think Canton should really just carve out some space for this, honestly. But on how the punt, many days, how many days was he on the team? That's the thing. Barely any. He's throwing to, I mean, but, but Ben Skoranek and Van Jefferson and some guy named Atwell and Brandon Powell. Yeah, like he didn't even know any of these guys. So, but and it was just hilarious to see the punt that led to it because you never see celebrations on punts. Mac Hollins for the Raiders Mac was doing the gritty, do, doing the gritty over the ball as it rolls to the two yard. Mac Hollins is a guy we spent so much time with in, before the draft in Buffalo. Like, yes, loved him. So what he's strong. doing, exactly what he is. He's a special team monster. But you know why you and I, I you're not going to believe who I was going to say instead. Of, I, I used Elijah Moore, but the guy I was going to say was Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Wouldn't surprise me. Because Kyle Shanahan. I think they're the most loaded team. But here's the thing. I don't know if he's going to be the starter. But I swear to you, from what I hear, it's his, um, let's just say he's not a fast processor as far as just – there's a reason the turnovers never stopped at USC, never stopped with the Jets, never stopped in Carolina. That it's not going to stop. I just, I always believe if there's a guy that maybe could get it out of him, maybe it's 49ers and Shanahan, but I don't know if he's even going to be the guy. So I was like, I'm not going to do that because he may not even play. It's but he, he was somebody I was thinking like about. Him. Yeah. That team is loaded, I think. I think that 49ers team is so loaded. 
it's almost like they have to show their respect to Brock Purdy when Mr. Irrelevant takes you to the conference championship game and God, he didn't make a mistake the whole run. But I think you're right. I think that at some point we'll see Darnold out there. I don't know when. Who knows? What about Baker? What are your thoughts on yeah, Baker? Yeah, I'm Tyler. I have given – yeah, I have. You, I will say this. <laughs> I was like – You, you let the ship up, sail. Well, you, you, brought up, you brought up a great point, though, because two years ago I was thinking about that. I, I was working – I was doing some stuff on a uh, gambling show, picks-wise. And uh, the Browns were a team I had talked about, I remember, in my interview for the job, thinking they had a chance to be, you know, one of the AFC kind of sneak up on the Bills. Um, man, that turned – that what a disaster that year was. But you're right. That injury, it's crazy how these guys – Mayfield's so tough, will fight, play through anything, do anything you ask. And your reward as he's fighting to come back from an injury is Deshaun Watson. That's got to be hard. I mean, that's a hard pill to swallow, no doubt. There's always been two ways to look at Baker Mayfield. Either he is this gamer that guys want to fight for, run through a wall for. Uh, I mean, the Browns, that's what they kind of fell in love with. Was it – I got to pull up this story. Yeah, yeah, Scott McLuhan. We, I talked to him for a Baker Mayfield story a couple of years ago, and he was a consultant for the Browns before they made that pick. He spent a number of years with the Packers, with Ron Wolf, obviously around Brett Favre, seeing how guys kind of gravitate to the position. He made a really compelling case for how Baker is different and why that position is just different, and you can't just have – a robot in there who's a mute and you, you need somebody that can inspire. And you've seen that at times in Cleveland. And then I think it was Quincy Avery, who ironically is Deshaun Watson's personal quarterbacks coach. And this would have been the uh, Anthony Richardson column that I had before the draft. And <laughs> hard, hard to argue with the point he made too. He said, uh, Quote, we try to teach a lot of things, but if a quarterback's not confident enough, he's not going to be good enough. Even if you have irrational confidence, I don't care what anybody says, Baker Mayfield was never that good. But he was so confident that it ended up working out for a little bit. So uh, maybe he's right. You know, maybe Baker is the, the, this, this raw cockiness to him that just compelled him to Heisman trophies and you know, breaking no, the Browns playoff. I, I would say this. I can – just from grading him in the NFL, he was playing at a, like a good starter level. He wasn't playing elite. He didn't look like number one, but he had games where you did see, you know, just that gritty pocket, just beautiful delivery, you know, timing, um, keeping the receivers moving, but it's not consistent enough. His overall physical skill set is very average. But yeah, Tyler, that'd be. I'm hoping Tampa's not very good because you know I have some invested interest in the Atlanta Falcons this year. So, and for Baker's physical skill set, I just don't think it's special enough to consistently consistently make those throws that just elevate and separate you 
and make you the difference in being a number one pick. You know, it's he is almost that hard hustle player um, that you see. But the I, I like I said, I just I've watched enough, and it's hard for me to think there's going to be a lot more there. But you did make a good point. You're around champions, Super Bowl champions. He's a champion. He's done it. Um, high level. I just, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying for you on that one. <laughs> you don't have to. It's okay. No, no. I like where you're going with it because once again, oh, you know what I was talking about? I know. I think I was also talking about that. I'm hoping he's not too good because I have an invested interest in the Atlanta Falcons this year. Uh, their win total because I'm counting Tampa as a not very good team. I like those Falcons myself. It's yeah. a roster that is very deep offense loaded with playmakers. Now, no questions on their offensive but line. Anyway, yeah. We know their quarterback situations. Of the... And anyway. we know you drafted Derek Carr pretty high in the, in the quarterback draft. That team, that's the team in that division that, is going to make a run. They have some, they have some veteran toughness, that defense, that DeMario Davis, Cam Jordan. I don't know if you could find two tougher, like veteran. They just go for it every year. There's no guesswork with the saints. Doesn't matter what's going on at quarterback at this point. They want to go for it. Uh, All these contracts, they constantly restructure. It's like they want to, they want to keep the band together. As long as they can. Uh, yeah, I, li- I like Tampa's defense, and, you know, maybe folks are going to hear from one of those playmakers on defense that go along relatively soon. Carlton Davis had a few things to say that were eye-popping. I don't know how it's going to work out with Baker. All I know is it's probably going to be fun to watch because it is entertaining with Baker Mayfield. Anything else, As long as he beats out Kyle Trask. Yeah, I think he'll... I think we'll have that covered. I do too. We're going to have another podcast soon with the great Ollie Connolly of the Read Optional, one of the best analysts in the sport itself. He talks to NFL coaches regularly. My God, I mean, if you need to learn about how this game really works, check out Ollie's work and you're going to hear from him on the next episode. So can't wait for that, Jim. Uh, in the meantime, it stopped raining, so that's nice. And I hear the kids downstairs, so I should probably, uh, you know, check in and pull my weight a little bit. What do you say? That's our cue. <laughs> All right, we'll see everybody. Thanks a lot.